We'll read through to chapter 6, verse number 2. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13 through to 6, verse 2. We'll stand for the reading of God's word and we'll read responsibly until we get to the end. And we get rid of this. Everybody there? Amen. So the Bible, uh, Joshua chapter 13, no, sorry, chapter 5, verse 13. And it came to pass, when Joshua went, was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man against, over against him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? That is the name that is kept in the host of the Lord. And the captain of the Lord's hosts said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoes from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Now yep. Verse 2 altogether. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this evening. We thank you, Lord, for the hymns that we have, Lord, the, the songs, Lord of the faith, to cheer us by the way, to encourage us. And the Lord, we thank you for the doctrine that you can learn through the hymns. And Lord, we pray for your word now, tonight, Lord, that it would be... Uh, um, spread among us, Lord, and would feed us, and Lord, that we could feed on it, and Lord, that it would be understood, and Lord, uh, that your Spirit would work in our midst uh, tonight, and Lord, that you would uh, bless the preaching of your word, Lord, and may it be a help to your people, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 All right, so Joshua chapter 5, so this, where we left off, we're talking about... Um, Joshua was by Jericho. Tonight, um, I want to look a little bit more at Jericho. So Jericho was a stronghold. Um, and we said last uh, week we have strongholds in our nation. And you, we can have strongholds in our churches. And in, uh, as, us as individuals, lost people have strongholds in them. And there are, in your Bible, there is two uh, types of strongholds. There are good and bad strongholds. There is Jericho and there is New Jerusalem, and you need New Jerusalem and to be built up in your life and in the church, and we need to tear down Jericho. So tonight um, we're going to try and have a little bit of a look at what a stronghold is, what a castle is, and sort of the what, the when, the where, the how and uh, not so much the how tonight, but uh, where, who, what, when, why, not in that order, but um, that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. So we'll start by looking at where. Um, where do we build strongholds? If you were to build a castle, you're going to build it on a hill for the reason that when if an enemy attacks, it becomes harder for them to launch arrows, projectiles, uh, into the castle when they have to launch it uphill. If you have it down in the bottom of a valley, 
then they can stand on the hill and launch it over the wall. Um, so they're in the higher places. If you look um, in your, through the Bible, the um, high places are places of worship. Um, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 talks about we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the spiritual... Wi- um, I'll turn there. Um, Ephesians 6 verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. If you go to, just for um, the uh, Numbers, chapter 22, verse 41, the, the high places in your Bible, if you look throughout the Old Testament, the high places is always a place where they offer sacrifice to false gods. Whenever the phrase high place appears in the Old Testament, it's to do with the false gods. It says, um, so, so this is when Balaam goes up to Balak to uh, see if God would curse Israel. And this verse 41 says, And it came to pass that on the morrow that Balak um, took Balaam and brought him up to the high places of Baal, that thence he might see the uttermost part of the people. So it talks about the high places of Baal. And for some other references, it's, it goes all the way through, but um, uh, Numbers 23, verse 2, verse 14 and 15, 28 and 30, all talk about the high places. He moved from place to place trying to get him to curse Israel, to see if God would curse Israel if he could only see part of Israel. Um, if you go to um, first, first Kings chapter 3, First Kings chapter 3, and Solomon made an affinity with Pharaoh king of Egypt and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had made it the end of his building, his own house, and the house of the Lord, and the wall of Jerusalem round about, only the people sacrificed in the high places, because there was no house built unto the, uh, unto the name of the Lord until those days. Go to um, chapter 3, verse 3. 3, verse 3. And Solomon loved... Uh, so it says there, And Solomon loved the Lord walking in his statutes of David his father, only he sacrificed and burnt incense in the high places. We're going to look at a little bit about that later on. Um, But the high places are places of worship. You think about, um, they built um, the Tower of Babel to make them, to exalt themselves up to the level of God. They tried to bring themselves up to God. You look in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1 it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. God is high, and he's in the heavens above all. Um, if you look at um, Genesis 22 verse 1 and 2, this is when Abraham was told to go and offer Isaac up. And it came to pass after these things that... The, God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here, am I, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, 
and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. So it talks about the mountain he was to sacrifice to Isaac on. If you read later on in the chapter, uh, God provided a substitute for Isaac. Isaac was condemned to die at the hands of his father, and God in heaven uh, provided a lamb, a ram as a substitute. So you see the gospel there. He was condemned to die because of his father. We are condemned to die because of our father, Adam, and God provided the substitute, the lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Um, and unless he is put in your, pl- in, in your place on that altar, you will die and pay your own sin penalty, which is eternity in the lake of fire. Pastor was preaching on that this morning. Um, so, um, for time, trying to get through this, there's some other references if you want to write them down. Galatians 22, um, sorry, not 20, verse, uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse 22 and 26, and Hebrews 12, um, verse 18 through 22. Um, so, if we look at, um, so that's um, verses on high places and if we jump to um, John chapter 4, we'll just try and uh, get some more on this. John chapter 4 and verse uh, verse 19. And the woman saith unto him, this is um, Jesus talking to the woman at the well. <coughs> and the woman said, saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say in Jerusalem... That you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. If you look at where Solomon built the temple, Solomon built the temple on Mount Moriah, which is where Isaac was um, had the substitute of the ram offered for him in the Mount Moriah. Um, and Jesus said, uh, "Jesus saith unto her." So, verse, um, John chapter four, verse twenty-one. And Jesus saith unto her. Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when neither this when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We worship, we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers of God shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So Christ took the uh, physical high place of Jerusalem, and he said, you guys are worshipping in Samaria, and you don't know what you're worshipping. You don't know God. Um, You don't know the ordinances of God, and you don't know God himself. He said, the Jews knew what they were worshipping, even if they didn't do it right. Um, and they worshipped in Jerusalem. But he said there's coming an hour when it's not going to be in mountains on earth, but in spirit and in truth. <coughs> you go to Revelation chapter 4. It talks about uh, the throne room of God. And I think I preached, uh, talked about this a long time ago in Walker's about... The anatomy of the human body, we'll just look at that, because your high place is not, you know, our high place is not, um, where we worship is not on a mountain uh, like Jerusalem or Sinai or um, the, where the, in the Samaria. Our high place is 
uh, God's throne room. If you look at that in, um, uh, start in Revelation 4, verse 1. Revelation 4, verse 1. Now after this, sorry, after this I looked and behold the door was opened in heaven. The first voice which I heard, as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things that mu- which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat on the throne was to look on, and he that sat was to look upon, like jasper and like a sardine stone. I probably said that wrong, but that's all right. <laughs> and there was a rainbow round about the throne, in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the four and twenty seats... I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had upon their heads crowns of gold, and out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne of God, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal, and there was in the midst of the throne round about four beasts full of eyes before and behind. So if you look at that, uh, that is the throne room of God, but it's also a picture of the human chest cavity. If you look at that, there's four and twenty ribs in it, and they're white in your body. You have the pericardium around your heart, and your heart, it says there that the four and twenty beasts were, with, um, verse six it says, uh, and in the midst of the throne you have four chambers in your heart. Your, uh, your airway comes down and splits into three on either side of your lungs. It's the seven spirits the seven spirits before the throne of God. Our high place um, is our body. Our, we are the temple of the living God. Our body is the high place. And so the question becomes, who is building what in the high place? What are you building in your high place in the temple? What is in your heart? Um, because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Um, so who, so that's where, so the where for us is our throne room, the throne room of God, which is our body, we are the temple of the living God. So who builds strongholds? Look at who builds strongholds. And if we were to go and build a castle, you're not going to build a castle by yourself. It's going to be a group of people, it's a, t- it's a group effort. Um, and so a group of people, so for us as a church... We come together and we build a stronghold based on godly things. We build New Jerusalem. We have walls in the church to set up as defense against the world's attacks. We have things like the Bible, getting, getting into a little bit of what, what it's made of. We have the Word of God. We have the good music. These things form a wall, a barrier of protection for us against the outside world. Um, but uh, for Jericho, what builds Jericho in you Spiritually, there is uh, three families. So sin is what will build Jericho in our lives. There are three family groups of sin. If you go to First John chapter 2, verse 15 and 17. I get to John, not James. It says, uh, for the love, start in verse 15. First John chapter 2, verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For there are, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, 
is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So it talks about uh, the three types of sin. If you jump all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, these are the three things that the devil, when, when uh, Eve looked at that fruit, and of the knowledge of good and evil, these three were present. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, says, And the woman saw that the tree was good for food, the lust of the flesh, that it was pleasant to the eyes, lust of the eyes, and the tree was desired, and, the, and was a tree to be desired to make one wise. That's the pride of life. All three were there present when she partook of the fruit. There are, it's the, or... Family groups of sins are further broken down in Exodus chapter 20 where you get the Ten Commandments. It breaks it down into um, uh, the individual uh, commandments and then later on it breaks those down into even further into how to apply those. Um, so who builds... Um, the strongholds in our lives, it will either be sin in our lives or it will be the doctrines of Christ. Uh, so you can build either New Jerusalem, you can build Jerusalem, or you can build Jericho. Um, why? Why do we build um, these walled cities? Why, why in medieval times or in Bible times did they build the cities? The strongholds, they were built for protection of people's lives and of people's livelihoods. So we, if we allow sin to enter into our life, and if it hangs around long enough, you talk, you talk about a family of sin, one sin gets together with another sin, and they start having lots of little sins. One sin leads to another sin, and you see how a family works. You have, uh, say, uh, you're doing something that you know is not right, and you will lie to cover it up. And then you will lie to cover that up. And your sin has a family and it produces little sins that then grow up into big sins and it creates sins of their own. And so these things then start to, when, if you look in that verse in Joshua chapter 6, it says, Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. They were afraid of a foreign power occupying, coming in and destroying them. Um, there was a threat to their livelihood, so they had their castle closed up to protect them and their livelihoods. Um, if you look over in Joshua chapter 6 and verse 27, sorry, not 27, verse 21, it says, And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, and ox and sheep and ass with the edge of the sword. So if you look at the, the people as the individual sins, the, the, there was sins that were new, there were sins that were old, there was uh, sins that, did, that went out and worked, and there were sins that stayed home, as it were, in, a, in the family situation. You also look there, it talks about the ox. The ox was what we now use, we use a tractor now instead of an ox, and the ox was used as a means of sustaining life. An ox would plough the field. An ox would tread the corn. An ox would pull the cart from the field to the mill. 
The ox was, again, a tractor. And the corn is the sustenance of life. The word uh, corn means, is, comes from the idea of the corn of the crop. It doesn't necessarily mean sweet corn. Corn can be wheat, barley, rye, oats. could even be rice. It comes from the idea of what is predominantly grown in a region. For us up in Northland, we grow maize as the main corn. It's the corn of the crop in Northland. We grow a lot of maize. You go down south to Otago and it becomes wheat. But it's still corn. It provides, so the ox provides the sustenance for life, the means of living. If you look there, the sheep, a sheep provides meat, a sheep provides wool, and a sheep provides milk. And from milk you can generate cheese, you can generate uh, yogurt, you can generate um, butter, and all these things, they're comforts. So you see, there's the means in the city, in the city of Jericho, there was the means to sustain those people, there was the means for those people to be comfortable. You know, you can, you can survive on bread, and you can survive on rice, or whatever, on oats, on porridge, but it's not going to be a very nice life. You know, you want to uh, be able to change it up. So the sheep is a comfort. You have your wool for warmth. You have meat to, for extra energy, sustenance, to help make your food more palatable. And your milk and your um, cheese, your butter, to add more comfort to your life. And when sin moves in, sin will start providing for itself with an ox. It will start providing to, for itself to be sustained, and when it's been there a bit longer, it will start wanting to be, it'll become comfortable. We can become comfortable in our sin. If we linger in sin too long, we will become comfortable. We become desensitized. If you look there, it also talks about the ass. It talks about, in verse 21, and the ass, the sheep, the ox, the sheep, and the ass. An ass was a mode of transportation. It's how you got to where you were going. If you wanted to go down the road, we'd drive a car now. They didn't have cars. Uh, they would use an ass. Now, occasionally, if you were pushed, you would use a, you might use an ass to plough a field. But Grandpa um, was old enough to have grown up um, working. He's worked horses and he's worked oxen. And he talks about when you have a, a mule or a horse, they tend to jerk on your harness, on the harness when they're pulling because of the way their gait. But an ox will lean into and you get a cleaner um, and steadier pull on your plow, so you'd use the ox for your plowing and you'd use the ass for your transportation because the ass is more, well, if you can get the ass to be obedient. <laughs> there's also in the city wealth and there's treasures. Um, you look at what Achan took out of um, Jericho and he wasn't supposed to, but he took out a wedge of gold, he took out silver and he took out a Babylonian garment, um, and those are things for another time, but um, they built, they had their livelihood in there, and sin will have a livelihood. It has a mean, what, what does your sin, you know, each of us has sin in our lives, and what does it feed on? What provides it its means to get around? You know, so you don't do some sin in some places. It talks about, um, if you go back to 6 verse uh, 1, it says Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel, if you th look at that, the children of Israel are the people of God. When you come to church, it's amazing, you know, you can sit there and you won't, and, you know, things that you struggle with throughout the week, they just are, are non, 
So it doesn't show up on your radar. It doesn't show up in your... If it shows up in your thought pattern, it doesn't show up in your actions because Jericho is shut up because of the children of Israel. There's things you just don't do at church because of the children of Israel, because of the people of God that you're around and you uh, don't want... You know, we naturally want to hide our sin. We want to keep it safe in its little castle, so we close it up. Um, so... Uh, why, to carry on with why, um, it's a protection against foreign powers. If you uh, look in Deuteronomy, chapter 7, uh, 1 through 5, Deuteronomy, chapter 7, Deuteronomy, chapter 7, 1 through 5, says... When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou goest to possess it, and hath cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Perizzites, and the, Pers- the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou, and when the Lord thy God shall deliver thee, them up before thee, and thou shalt smite them, and utterly destroy them, thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them, neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughters thou shalt not give unto the, his sons, nor his, daughter, nor his daughters shalt thou, give to, shalt thou take unto thy son. For they will turn away thy son from following me, and they will make that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly." Thus shall ye deal with them. Ye shall utterly destroy their altars and break down their groves, their images, cut down their groves and burn their graven images with fire. That was the instruction when they went into Israel. They were to colonize the land. They were to uh, take over the old inhabitants and, re- and to re-establish a, to establish a godly society. Um... If you want to look at when, when was beforehand. They didn't wait till the children of Israel were right there. They started building a long time ahead of when the children of Israel were there. If you turn in your Bible to First Peter chapter three, First Peter chapter three and verse fifteen. First uh, Peter chapter three. Verse 15, it says, But sanctify the Lord in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you of the reason of, of the hope that lieth within you with meekness and fear. So that verse in particular talks, uh, it says, Sanctify the Lord in your heart. The heart was the throne. If you look at your human anatomy, the heart is the throne of God. Have God on the throne of your heart in the temple, and be always ready to answer... Uh, and says, be ready, uh, be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you the reason of the hope that lies within you. If so, if you so that talks of the, you need to build in your life New Jerusalem. As I said before, this is building Jerusalem. The, what you build the walls are of the re, are the reasons of why we do what we do. The doctrines of. Uh, Christ for Jericho, it's the excuses for our sin, and we'll we'll get into that a little bit. But when talking about when, you're going to have to build it before ahead of time. If somebody comes to you, if you're out there, um, and you run into someone and 
for, for me, I, the other week, I ran into a guy, I was at the gas station, we were filling up with petrol, and I was reading my Bible, Tim was filling the car up, and the guy in the car next to me saw me reading the Bible, and he said, oh, you, do you love Jesus? And I said, yeah. And he said to me, um, you know, what church do you go to? And I, got, I showed him, I gave him a tract, and said, you know, this is our church, and I was starting to give him the gospel, and he was reading on the tract, and the tract said, um, all references in King James only. And he's, he said to me, do you read the King James Bible? And I said, yes. And to me, there was a look in his eye, he was right about to, to let off on me, about, you know, well, you know, people I've heard people, you know, they talk, call you a fanatic. I, I think he called me a fanatic by the time I got done. I wasn't going to wait for him to attack the castle of the king. You know, we have the King James Bible. It's part of our castle. It's in uh, my system. You, if you want to get in, into a war over that <laughs> or an argument, uh, not, not that I want to argue, but I'm going to stand firm. There was a look in his, on his face that he was right about to um, to have a go at me over not necessarily you know attack you know deride me but I said to him yes I believe it and I told him why and I spend all night if I get off on it on why um, but he ended up calling past and he said yeah I met, I met this guy Matthew at a gas station he breathes King James Bible <laughs> can you answer why why do you read this book as opposed to the other books. Can you give a reason for the hope that lies within you? And it's not just in, about your Bible. It's about any area of life. Do you have a fortress? When you're going to war, you always want the high ground. From the high ground, you launch your assault down into the lowland. It's harder to fight uphill. And for us to build New Jerusalem, we must first take the high ground, and that's the hard part. But we've also got to maintain the high ground. If we don't build New Jerusalem... Anyone can just sweep us away. If we don't have defenses for our faith built into our lives, then we'll just be swept away by the first group that comes along. Um, so be always ready uh, to give an answer to every man that asks you the reason of the hope that lieth within you with meekness and fear. I have a trouble with the meekness part. <laughs> that guy didn't get much meekness, um, unfortunately. But... I've listened to so many people, you know, deride what, why do you, why do you believe what you believe? Why do you believe the Bible? And, uh, or why do you believe this? And, you know, why do we dress like we dress? You can look through the Bible and you can find the answers and you put that in your stronghold. You build the defense and from that defense position, you can launch an attack into the world. If we want to be effective in our war against the devil's kingdom to save souls, we need to have a fortress built that we can attack from. The high ground is, a, is the place of advantage. All, all armies want the high ground. If you look at it, when they got stuck in World War I in their trenches, they started aerial combat was just coming in. When the aerial combat came in, they were able to bomb the trenches from higher not from ground, but from the air. They had the high ground all of a sudden. And why do you think they're building a space force now in America? Why? It's the high ground. It's the principle of attacking from the high ground. And so we need to um, take the high ground, 
from Jericho and build Jerusalem in its place um, so that we can be effective. We can launch the attacks against the devil's kingdom so you know, uh, we can lay, lay hold on the forces of the devil and win. It's not that you can't win fighting an uphill battle, but it's a whole lot harder. And sometimes we will fight uphill battles. Um, um, so, if we get, we'll move on to what? Try and get through this um, before eight. Um, good luck. Pray. <laughs> I don't believe in luck, but if you pray, we might get there. Um, so, what were the walls made out of? So, when you build a castle, castles are made out of stone. They're made out of hard um, items. We were, when we went to England, we visited Chester. Chester has a wall that was Chester Wall in Chester was built when they were tearing Jerusalem down. Uh, it was built between 70, 70 AD and onward. They were building the wall of Chester. It's a sandstone wall that the Romans built around the city of Chester in England. And all your castles and fortresses, uh, you have, if you have a castle, it'll be built of stone. If you talk about a fort, a fort tends to be built out of wood. Um, but it, So you can have different materials that you build out of. Um, so for New Jerusalem, like we're just talking about, it's the answer for the reason of the hope that lies within you. Can you put a wall up and say, this is what I believe, and it doesn't move? Somebody comes and beats on that wall. Will your wall crumble? Will it fall? Or will it hold firm because, of the doc- because you know that you know that you know? And you can say, look, this is the verse in the Bible, and this is the verse, and this is the other verse. And you can defend your faith from your position. But if you look at Jericho, um, and Jericho is made by our sin to protect the livelihood of sin in our lives, and... Um, what are the excuses that we use to build Jericho? Uh, everyone, you know, has uh, their own, but to list some, you know, often we say, well, I'm too tired. I'm too tired to go to church. I'm too tired to go here or do that. I can't go out on Queen Street. I'm tired or I don't know what to say would be another excuse. If I went out there, I don't know what to say. Um... Another excuse would be everyone else's doing. Everyone's doing it, so I'm just going to do it. And you build an excuse for your sin, and you protect your sin and why you won't do whatever because of that excuse. You defend it with what you call reasoning, but the reality is God's going to get you. know, if you're tired, God will give you the energy to go witnessing. If you go witnessing, God will use you, even if you don't know uh, how to speak to someone. God could use you in the track. If you open your mouth, you'll be amazed at what God, you, you find yourself talking and you'll be wondering where on earth to start, where, where the word's coming from. And it's coming from what is being put in you, the word of God in you that um, you've heard over and over again. And the reality is with the spirit of God in you, uh, I heard a preacher say one time, if, you, if you've got God, what do you need anything else for? What do you need anyone else for? If you've got God then you have all the power you need to do whatever it is that God is calling you to do. But if you haven't got God, you'd better get everything else that you can. If you don't have God, you better get some millionaires on your side. You better get some um, entrepreneurs on your side. You better get, you know, all the worldly help you can get. 
if you don't have God. But if you've got God, what do you need? Anything else? What, what, you don't have an excuse because you have God. There's nothing impossible with God. For, for a lost person out there, they'll often say, well, uh, why, why, you know, if you say, invite someone to church, a lost person might say, um, you know, people in church are hypocrites. Well, an answer to that might be, well, realistically, if you go to work, you work with hypocrites. Everyone at work will say, start, say, well, I do this and I do that, and you'll find that they will not do what they said they will do, and that's a hypocrite. And so, but they still go to work, but they won't come to God. So they have an excuse, but it's not a good excuse. It's just, you can, you, if you will push past it, you might be able to carry on a conversation. You might be able to enter into their Jericho. Because in, inside each Jericho, there is Rahab the harlot wait, you know, waiting for deliverance. Um, so another excuse that we build up is people won't understand. Why won't I do what God is calling me to do? Because people won't understand. People will, um, will mock. People will talk it down. People will uh, call me old-fashioned, call me um, bigoted. You know, all these things are excuses. Um, another excuse. The way we are, it's the way things are. It's the way it's done. It's the way it's always been done. It's the way I was raised. It's my family history. God has given us the power to overcome. The Bible says we are more than conquerors through him. Um, so if we, so that's your, your who, the, so the where, is the high place in your heart. The who will either be your sin or the doctrines of Christ and why is to protect them from foreign power. If we talk about, um, just a little bit about our um, spiritual, we have the two spiritual natures in us. We have the old man and the new man. If you turn to Colossians uh, chapter 3, We looked at this a few Sundays ago, Colossians chapter 3, and verse 10 it says, I'll start, uh, um, verse verse 5, it says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication and cleanness, inordinate affections, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked at some times when ye lived in them. But now ye put off these things, anger, all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in, the knowledge, in knowledge, after the image of him that created him. So um, we have... Our new man is trying to colonize our lives. Our, our new man is fighting against the flesh. It is colonizing land that is already owned. Your flesh nature, your sin nature was there first. It was there before the spirit, you were born into the world with your sin nature. And then when you get saved, you have the new man in you. And the new man is trying to colonize your life. And the flesh already has a claim on your life before your, old, your new man was there and you are uh, colonizing yourself with the things of God, as it were. And your flesh, who has a claim to your life, 
beforehand will fight for its claim, and you end up in a war. Um, so that's um, what is uh, the doctrines of Christ or our excuses? Why, well, you know, why I'm too tired? I'm too this, that, or the other. You need you put put your own excuse there. Look at your own life and you know uh, talk about uh, the sin that is there that you are de- defending that you might hide from. Um, those that are in church. Um, if we look at Joshua 26, I want to get through looking at Joshua chapter 6, sorry. I want to try and have a good look at Jericho before we look at how, how, are we, how do we deal with Jericho. And that's uh, really where I've been trying to get to this whole time. Look, how, how do we deal with Jericho. Um, If you go to, just to finish looking at Jericho, is what we'll try and get through tonight. And um, mostly because of time. If we look at Joshua chapter 6, verse 26. And Joshua, it says, adjured, adjured them, saying... At that time, saying, sorry, and Joshua adjured them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord that raiseth up and buildeth this city of Jericho. He, lay, he shall lay the foundations thereof in his firstborn, and in his youngest son shall he set up the gates thereof. And so Joshua was in, so, so the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was noised throughout all the land, all the, the country. Jump to 1 Kings chapter 16. This is the fulfillment of that curse. A man did build Jericho again, and it happened according to his word that he laid the foundation in his firstborn and raised the gates in his son, in his youngest. First uh, Kings sixteen. First Kings chapter sixteen, um, verse thirty-four. And in his days, so this is uh, in Ahab's days. Well, Ahab was king. Uh, so in his days, that's Ahab, did Hiel, the Beth, Bethelite, build Jericho. He laid the foundation in Abiram, his firstborn, and set up the gates of, in his youngest son, Shegrub, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Joshua, the son of Nun. So if you look at uh, he built Jericho, and it cost him his children. He, he was alive. He didn't die. It didn't kill him. It affected his children more than it affected him. In our nation right now, in our churches, we have a 70 to 80, 95% dropout rate in churches of the young people. And because all across the board, whatever denomination you look at, it's a fight for the next generation, and this... This youth program is vital. It's building up New Jerusalem. It's building a fortress for the young people that when they need, you know, you need to learn the doctrine so that when you're away from those that you rely on to defend you, you can defend yourself. But the churches around about, the young people have looked at their denomination, at their mum and their dad, and they've gone and they've watched them say, well, Mum and Dad have said, well, we don't go to church on Wednesday night because that's for the fanatics. Well, the young person looks at that and says, well, if we don't go to church on Wednesday night because it's fanatics, 
when my friends are all out on Sunday night, I'm going to go be with my friends because church is for fanatics and I'm not really a fanatic. You know, um, and you tear, you, because the parents build an excuse for why they don't go to church, for why they let the standard drop, the young people will see through it and they'll say, well, there's no point. And it costs the life of the young person and they're not in, 80, 70, 80% are not in churches today because of the strongholds that their denomination, mum, dad, the preacher, the churches, have built um, around the things of God and or to defend the sin. You know, they say, well, drinking's okay, or a little bit of drink's okay. Well, you say a little bit of drink's okay, your child, a child will look at that as an excuse, well, I'll try just a little bit and then a little bit more. And the, the sin that a parent will do in moderation, the child will do in excess. And it costs, it doesn't cost you that the, that the parent might still go to church. The parent might still believe in God all the days of their life. But it costs the children. The, the firstborn, it says, And he adjured them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth the city of Jericho. He shall lay the foundation thereof in his Firstborn, and then his youngest son, shall he set up the gates thereof? And it happened. Uh, we read that. Um, I want to look at a couple of examples of this to finish out looking at uh, Jericho and as a city. And then at some point we'll look at how, how are we going to overcome it. Because you read verse, uh, Joshua chapter 6, verse 2, it says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho. And the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. God said he will give it to us. Um, and we'll look at how. But we, we right now, uh, as we are, it says in verse 13, chapter 5, verse 13, it says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho. We look, look at what, we're by Jericho. We look at what Jericho is. Um, before you go to war, you need to know uh, some things about your enemy if you go in blind, you'll end up um, being slaughtered because the enemy can set an ambush for you and you go in all willy-nilly and not listen to the advice that's given by men who have been there before you or um, things like that. If you, look at, if you study history in World War I, when the Americans came into the war, they looked at the English and the French who had been fighting that war for four years or three years, whatever it was, trying to beat the German lines. And they said that when they came in, they said they listened to all the advice of the English and the French, and they said, well, you've been trying it for four years. Your ideas are worthless because you haven't got anywhere. And they went and they did what the English did for four years. They went to the first mistake that the English made is what the Americans first did. And the Americans, it cost them a huge amount because they didn't listen to the advice. We have the advice in this book to be prepared ahead of time, and if we won't listen to it, we'll end up like the Americans in World War I. The Americans, unfortunately, did the same thing in World War II in the North African campaign before Pat, uh, General Patton came. They just went in blasé against Rommel, who was a seasoned warrior, and they were cut to ribbons because they didn't listen to the advice of the men who had gone before. You know, we have men who have fought... You know, in our church, we have, as the young people, we have the older... Older, uh, not not old, older um, people who've been who've gone on before who have experience, and you can go to them and say, "Look, I'm in this situation. How do I how do I deal with it?" 
And because they have experienced things, you know, don't go to just anyone, but if they're grounded in the word of God and they've been through some things, they can give you some advice. And when they give you that advice, don't just be like the American soldiers and go, well, you've been, you know, you've been doing this for four years and you're not getting anywhere. We're going to do whatever I want. And you end up um, like Rehoboam. And we'll um, get to that in a minute. So we look at some biblical examples of building um, spiritual um, Jericho or in the people's lives. So if we we'll look at first the tabernacle to the temple. So the tabernacle was what Moses built and the temple was what Solomon built. Um, if we look at just a couple of things about the tabernacle, we don't have time to go over the, the whole thing. If we go to Exodus... Uh, chapter 25, Exodus 25, um, verse 13 through 16. Um, this is talking about the ark, so, so go back to, up to verse 10. Um, verse 10. And they shall make an ark of shittim wood, two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half shall be the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half shall be the height thereof. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, within and without, and shalt overlay it and make upon it a crown of gold round about. And thou shalt cast four rings of gold for it and put them in it, four corners, in, in the four corners thereof. And two rings shall be in the one side of it and two rings in the other side of it. And thou shalt make staves of shittim wood and overlay them with pure gold. And, and thou shalt put the staves of the, into the rings by the sides of the ark that the ark may be born with them. Um, verse, I want uh, particular attention on verse 15. It says, And the staves shall be in the rings of it, of the ark, and they shall not be taken from it. And thou shalt, in verse 16 it says, And thou shalt put into the ark the testimony which I shall give thee. And that, that was the law, that was the commandments. They were to put that um, into the ark. And the ark, to be born, was born with the staves. God went with them wherever they went. That tabernacle, when they moved, the tabernacle moved. God went with them wherever they went. He went with them into the wars. He went before them into Jordan. And if you look in Exodus chapter 16, it talks about the manna. The manna was laid also in the... Um, the manna was kept as a testimony, uh, 16, chapter 16, verse 33. Uh, and Moses said unto Aaron, Take a pot and put an omer full of, of manna, an omer full of manna therein, and lay it before the Lord to keep for your generations. Um, go to Numbers, chapter 17. Number 17, this is, talks about the rod of Aaron was also laid there. Uh, 17, verse 6 through 10. Uh, I've got my reference right. Numbers, chapter 17, yeah. Um, 6. And Moses spake unto the children of Israel, and every one of their princes gave him a rod. For each prince one, according to their house, to their father's house, twelve rods, and the rod of Aaron was among their rods, and Moses laid up their, before the, up their rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness. And it came to pass that on the morrow, 
Moses went into the tabernacle of witness, and behold, the rod of Aaron for the house of Levi was budded and brought forth fruit, uh, brought, sorry, was budded and brought forth buds and bloomed and blossomed and yielded almonds. And Moses brought out all the rods from before the Lord unto all the children of Israel, and they looked every man, and they took, they looked and took every man his rod. And the Lord said unto Moses, Bring the Aaron's rod again before the testimony to keep it for a token against the rebels. And thou shalt surely, and thou shalt quiet, quite take away their murmurings from me, that they die not. So that rod was dead. It was a stick cut off. And we were a stick cut off from the house of God, but we are resurrected through the power of God. And so that rod, Aaron's rod, speaks of resurrection. The manna speaks of bread. The manna came down from heaven. There was food from God in their, in their house. And so you see, there was, wasn't just the law in the, the, test, the uh, ark. There was also food from God. There was also resurrection. There was a resurrection life in the, a tabernacle. Um, and we'll look at the temple later on because there's some things that are different. We go to um, Genesis, uh, Exodus 25 again. Exodus 25 again. And look at the lamp stand. The, the whole uh, 31 to 37 talks about the lamp stand. But um, just for time's sake, we'll kick in, in what have I got written there? Um, 34, I think. No, 33. And three bowls. Made like unto almonds with a... Uh, oh, we will start from top. And thou shalt make a candlestick. So verse 31, sorry. And thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold. Beaten, of beaten work shall the candlestick be made. His shaft and his branches, his bowls and his knobs, and his flowers shall be of the same. And six branches shall come out of the sides thereof. Three branches of the candlestick out of the one side and three branches of the candlestick out of the other side. Three bowls made like unto almonds. Again, you talk about uh, Aaron's rod that budded was almonds. Um, it's to do with your, the picture of that resurrection. Um, so it says, three bowls made like unto almonds with a knot and a flower in one branch. Three bowls made like unto almonds in the other branch with a knot and a flower. So each six branches that come out of the candlestick. And the candlestick shall be... And in the candlestick shall be four bowls made like unto almonds with their knots and their flowers. So this was the light source for the tabernacle. The tabernacle's a picture of the church. And I can't get into that now. Um, but if you look at there was nine direct decorations on each candlestick that went out. Each branch had nine decorations. Had three sets of a bowl, a knot, and a flower on each one. There's six of... Six of these branches with nine each is 54. The candlestick had four sets of three is 12. You have 66 decorations on that candlestick. And that's your books of the Bible. 66 books are in the canon of Scripture. Not more, not less. And that's what gives light to the church of God. You want to know how, you want to see light. The Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And that's right there in that uh, verse. But if you go and look, if we look at Solomon's temple, Solomon's, you see, when they had that tabernacle, they went round and round, and they had their uh, rough times. If you, well, just while I talk, turn to First Kings chapter six, 
First Kings chapter 6. Um, they went round and round with that tabernacle and they murmured and they complained. And when they complained, God chastened them and they repented and they grew stronger. Every time, you know, all throughout the time they had the tabernacle, they went from strength to strength. They had their rough patches, but they were going from strength to strength um, until you got to David and then Solomon. David was the last generation with the tabernacle, and then Solomon builds the temple. And from Solomon, it all goes downhill. It, there's a reverse of in the nation of Israel from going from strength to strength. They went from weakness to weakness. They went downhill. They had a few high points, like the king Hezekiah. They had, you know, and they had a few good kings, but the general trend was downhill. And there's a reason why. The reason is they built Jericho. Um, and they changed the things of God. If you look in 1 Kings chapter 6, 1 to 4, And it came to pass that in the 408th year after the children of Israel were come out of the land of Israel, of Egypt, sorry, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month of Ziph, which is the second month, that he did begin to build the house of the Lord, and the house which King Solomon built for the Lord, and the, sorry, and the house which King Solomon built for the Lord, the length was thereof was three score cubits, and the breadth of it of and the breadth thereof was twenty cubits, and the height thereof thirty cubits, and the porch before the temple of the house twenty cubits, and the length thereof according to the breadth thereof of the house ten cubits was the breadth thereof before the house and for the house. So in the house in that. Um, the house for the uh, Ark of the Covenant uh, says, and he made, and for the house he made windows of narrow lights. He went, they went from having the 66 books pictured in that candlestick to having windows cut in, and they had light from outside coming in. They had, uh, if you look at, at that as a picture now of our, our churches, that you have rock and roll coming in, giving their influence and their light into these, quote, churches. You have, you know, these other Bibles, and it's, you know, if a Bible is the light, then you have other lights in their temple. You have all the different versions of the Bible and not the, the real Word of God. Um, if you look at First Kings chapter 8, First Kings chapter 8, 6, uh, starting in verse 6 there. Um, the priests brought the ark of the covenant of the Lord into his place, into, unto the oracles of the house. So that's, uh, again, talking about where the windows were made uh, for the house. And this is where the ark was put. Um, so, into, to the most holy place, even under the wings of the cherubims, for the cherubims stretched forth their wings, two wings over the place of the ark. And the cherubims covered the ark, and the staves thereof above. And they drew out the staves, that the ends of the staves were seen out in the holy place before the oracle. So they weren't even in the most holy anymore. They were outside um, the oracle, and they were not. They were seen, not seen without, for they were there unto this day. And there was nothing in the ark save the two tables of stone, which Moses put therein at Horeb, when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel when they came out of the land of Egypt. So you look there and they no longer had the resurrection life. They no longer had Aaron's rod that budded and they no longer had the pot of manna. 
in there. There was just the law. And their church became to them legalism. And God, they took the staves out and God was to stay at church. God was a thing for at church. You want God, you go to the temple. God didn't go with them anymore. God didn't go with them out into the world. God stayed in the house of God. And it's from there on, the kingdom goes downhill. Solomon was heard. If you read uh, the rest of the chapter, Solomon prays and uh, the account in Second Chronicles is, you know, we get that verse, we're all familiar, that God uh, answers Solomon's prayer. Solomon built this house and Solomon heard was pray- his prayer was answered. And part of the answer was that verse that we often quote, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and I will heal, the- and will heal their land. That was God's answer to Solomon's prayer. Solomon built this temple with all these different uh, things. They didn't have the word of God. They didn't have, you know, they had their own light. They had their own, they didn't have the resurrection life and they didn't have the food from God and it was just legalism. But God still heard Solomon. But what happened to Rehoboam, his son? So he built Jericho spiritually and his son lost the kingdom. He had all but two tribes or three, if you look at the inheritance, uh, Simeon was inside Judah, and Benjamin also stayed with loyal to the king. Because he followed his, uh, Rehoboam followed the advice of the young men and not the older men who had been with Solomon and had, um, who were understanding in the things of God. Um, and it cost, because he built, you know, and he, say, we read that verse in First Kings uh, Three, three, um, 1 Kings uh, 3, 3. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and burnt incense in the high places. He worshipped other... He had God and he had his high places. And, you know, he had the temple of God and he would go and worship God, but he would also go and he would burn his incense. And it, he was fine. God heard his prayer And God was merciful to him because of David, his father. But his son bore the the punishment of his sin. The nation was rent in half because of uh, this situation in the nation. Building Jericho, they built Jericho in the nation. Um, And I'm uh, just right out out of time. But uh, if there's a second example, so. From that, you you look at their tabernacle, and there's a picture of the church. You have the light, the Bible, and the resurrection power, and they went from strength to strength. They had their rough patches, but they were going uphill. They were going uphill all the way till Solomon. Solomon builds the temple, and from then on, it all goes downhill. They have a few good patches now, and are generally trending downhill because they left the defense of the Word of God. They no longer did things God's way. And the enemy came in like a flood, and there was no standard lifted up. That's uh, Isaiah 59, if you want to, uh, in there. There was no standard lifted up against that flood of ungodliness, and it swept them away because they didn't have a fortress to defend themselves spiritually. They didn't, uh, they had Jerusalem as a physical castle, but they didn't have a spiritual defense for why they, you know, why, why do we worship God and why don't we? 
um, do these, do worship these other gods. They had all they had for that was the law. If all you have is the law and legalism, you will end up like the children of Israel. But we need to serve God not out of you know uh, legalism, but out of a love for God. Um, and to build the fortress, not because we feel uh, we have to, but we should want to defi- uh, to build Jerusalem. So from Jerusalem, from New Jerusalem, we can go out and assault the gates of hell. And without having, if you leave Jericho, if the children of Israel had, say, attacked Ai or had gone around Jerusalem to another city, the people of Jericho would have always been attacking them in the back and then running back to Jer- Jericho to hide. So you have to deal with Jericho. You can't just ignore it. You, you have to, um, to lay Jerusalem flat on the ground to, um, to destroy it utterly. If you read in Joshua um, chapter 6 again um, about that, it says, And they utterly destroyed all that, that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep, and ass with the edge of the sword. So unless we um, lay it flat, these things will attack us in the back. The sin in our lives will come out and will attack if we don't deal with it. Um, And that's how we'll look at how, because it's 8 o'clock now and I've only got a little bit left, so we're not going to get much on how. But there's another example in your Bible, if you look at the, about the inheritance of the tribes, two and a half tribes did not claim an inheritance in the land. They didn't enter into the land. And that was the tribe, half of the half tribe of Manasseh did not enter, the tribe of Reuben, and the tribe of Gad. And they took an inheritance on the west side of Jordan. Uh, we took this whole picture of... Um, going into the land of Israel, conquering the land of, sorry, of Canaan, as, you know, as Christians overcoming the, the spiritual war that goes on. If you go to um, Mark chapter 5, turn there. You know, it, this is, you know, if you have building Jericho, like Solomon did, will destroy the generations to come. But if you sit and do nothing the generations to come will also be destroyed. If you look at um, Mark chapter 5 and verse 1, that's, um, the, so they came through that um, storm in verse 4, um, and it says in verse 5 uh, starts in, and they would come over to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gadarenes, the tribe of Gad. That's, what that, that's the land. And who did they meet when they came there? They met a, essentially an emo. We have emos nowadays. And if you look at what an emo believes, it's much the same as what this guy was. It says, uh, And when he was come out of the ship, immediately they met him, a man, out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, no man, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had often been bound with fetters and chains, and been plucked asunder by... Sorry, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, neither, and the fetters were broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, day and night, was he in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Now, we don't, in this country at the moment, have a whole lot of people living in cemeteries, 
But there are people who go around like this man, crying and cutting themselves. You give it another 50 years and they'll be living in the tombs. Um, just, just saying, if we, don't, you know, if we don't stand up and fight now, in the next 50 years, the battle, will be, the battle to be fought will be worse than it is now. Um, and if you go, um, you look at that man, the worst man that you can imagine met Jesus, but even the rest of the people in the area, you go jump down to um, verse 12, and all the devils besought him, um, besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirit went out and entered into the swine, and heard violently ran down a steep place into the sea, and there, they were about 2,000, and they were choked in the, and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled, and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out, and they went out to see what it was that was done. So the, the general population, you think about 2,000 swine, that would feed quite a lot of people. But these were children of Israel. Though it's supposed to, uh, pork is a, was an unclean thing. The general population was living off things that were unclean, and the worst of the population was a psychedelic maniac living in the tombs, crying and cutting himself. And if we don't enter into uh, Jerusalem, uh, into the land of Canaan, if we won't cross over Jordan... This is what will happen if we don't deal with Jericho. This is what will happen, and you can see it in our nation. The, if you look at uh, the generations from my, my grandfather's generation, they read this book. They read the only Bible you had was the King James Bible, and from his generation down, the nation has gone, everything gets bad, goes from good to bad. But when these other Bibles came in, and it was no longer the reason for the hope that lieth within you, the nation, the next generation, so my parents' generation, there's some that are saved and there's some that aren't, but the next generation down, you know, like with Solomon, because David had the tabernacle and uh, Solomon built Jerusalem, uh, uh, built Jericho spiritually, um, he wasn't affected. Solomon didn't pay the price but his son did, and you look at that from my grandpa's generation down to mine. They had the word of God, they had, and the churches, you know, you go, everyone was in church. Um, and, but you go to the next generation down, and you start to see the excuses for why this, why that, you know, their evolution come in, and no one had an answer for it, because you, would, they, you wouldn't look at the, they wouldn't look at the Bible and take it for what it said. A uh, pastor talked about that man in Sunday school, who said, the Bible says that there's paths in the seas. I'm going to find them because it said, the Bible says it's there, so they must be there. Rather than saying, you know what, the Bible says God created in six days, there was a, they let the evolution in, and you get evolutionary, uh, theistic evolution, and it doesn't work without getting off on that. But this, it became a stronghold. A flood came in, and nobody lifted up a standard. And Jericho was built and established in the nation, and... Now in my generation, 70-80% are not in church or leave church. And it is, it is the pattern of things when you abandon the things of God. Um, you, if you look at uh, verse 18 there in Mark chapter 5, it says, And, they, and when they were come out to him, into, uh, sorry, um, verse 15, 
So this is after they fled, the people who were feeding the swine fled and told it in the city. Uh, it says, and they, verse 15, and they came to Jesus to see him that was possessed with the devil that had the legion sitting down clothed in his right mind and they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning swine. And they began to pray him, that's Christ, to depart out of their coast. They were so spiritually backslidden that when the preacher came and brought deliverance to someone, they were terrified of it. They said, go away, we don't want it. And, but that's not to say that there's not hope because, like I said, that verse in um, Joshua, if we put it up on the board, Joshua chapter 6 verse 2, it says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. God has promised deliverance. And if you uh, read on there, that man who had legion wanted to go with Christ. He wanted to follow him. But the Bible says in verse 19, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things God hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And the Bible says, verse 20, And he departed and began to publish it in the capitalists, how great things Jesus had done for him and all the men did marvel. If you jump to chapter 6, Verse 35, and I'm right about done um, for tonight. Uh, verse 35, chapter 6, um, says, and when, um, and when the, I'm sorry, I may have, um, sorry, it might be further on. Sorry, 53, sorry, not, I'm reading that back to front. Um, 53 says, and when they had passed over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. So that's uh, the same place. If you read through the Gospels, Gennesaret is the same as land area as the Gadarene, land of the Gadarenes. It says, and he drew to shore. And when they were come out of the ship, straightway they knew him. They recognized Christ. They said, hey, he's been here before. And he's, you know, they heard that man's testimony of deliverance. And they knew him and they recognized him. And now because of that man's testimony, because, of, because that man overcame, was overcome with Christ, you know, Christ overcame Jericho in that man's life for him. And that man went and shared his testimony. It, they, all those people, it says, and they ran throughout the whole region, verse 55, round about and began to carry out in beds those that were sick where they, were, where they heard he was and where this... So ever he entered into villages or cities or the or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might be touched, if it were but the border. Sorry, that they might touch, if it were but the border of his garments, and meant as many as touched him were made whole. The change in the people was because of that man's testimony. You know, our uh, we talked about that in um. Uh, go if you go to uh, Joshua chapter five again. Says in the children, verse ten. It says in the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover the fourteenth on the fourteenth day of the month at even in the plains of Jericho. They remembered their testimony. They remembered how God had saved them. That man in the land of Gad in the Gennesaret, he went and he shared what God had done for him. And he didn't know the Bible, but all he went around saying was, "This is what God had done for me. God set me free." 
um, Christ set me free. And when Christ came back, um, the land received him. And so for the last, I think I will I'll try and make this the last verse. Um, um, so the point being, there is hope. We can, you know, like I said the other week, we can overcome um, the strongholds in our lives and in the nation through uh, Christ and the Word of God. If we just, uh, for the last verse, um, first or last two verses, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse, sorry, 3 through 5. So it says, it's three verses, but all right. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We can overcome. Um, and so we'll look at how uh, next time I'm here. But uh, how? How do we overcome Jericho, um, just something I want us to think on as a church is what are our strongholds? What are the things that we close up in our heart that we, you know, they're not in church. You don't see it in church, but it's there. It's a city and it's a stronghold. What are the things that we have in our lives? And next time we'll look at how, how to deal with it and a little bit of how, what some of the stuff I've gone through in what I've had to deal with in the ways of strongholds because I can't give every an example, your example, but I can only give mine and how God has uh, fought for me and how to deal with the strongholds. But um, that's for another time. So homework would be what, what are the strongholds that we have in our lives? Um, what are the things that are holding us in chains? Just something to think on and pray about as we go through the week. But uh, for now, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this evening and for the study. Uh, and pray, Lord, you'd help the people here, Lord, through this, Lord, that um, we would take the higher ground in our lives, Lord, spiritually, and, Lord, uh, take the higher ground again in this nation that's been given up, Lord. Um, Lord, that we would fight... Uh, a worthy warfare, Lord, uh, through the power of your Son, Lord, uh, and that uh, the spiritual wickedness that is in the high places, in our high places, both in us individually and in this nation and all around us, Lord, that we would wrestle against them, and Lord, that you grant us victory over them. Lord, we pray you help us to do this and glorify your Son in our lives. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.